This is Ryan Monso, and this is GoCooks.com, talking about them cougars. This is kind of a special episode. We're here with Carter Yates from Dave Campbell's. He's a new college football writer for them. He covered the U of H UTSA game in person. He showed up in a Dave Campbell's wrapped vehicle that I parked next to, and I thought was totally ridiculous. Towns liked it. I um, loved it. I thought it was yeah. awesome. Sometimes uh, when, I, when I drive that bad boy on the highway, I'll get some people looking at me, and I'll forget I'm in that car. And I'll be like, why are they looking at me like that? And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's because I got this custom rap job. Uh, Dave Campbell's Texas football, Dave Campbell's Texas basketball on my doors. You need to get horns on the front of it, um, like Boss Hog used to have. Oh, yeah. And I think people would like part ways on the highway, on the freeway, to get out of your way when they see that bad boy coming through. I'd be, um, I'd be zooming. Yeah. Yeah, you'd so, be signing autographs at stoplights. <laughs> yeah, boo! I'm Stuart Gus, official personal injury attorney of U of H Athletics. If you've been injured in an auto accident, big or small, who you have on your team matters. You can trust Gus to get you the best possible results for your case. Call 866-TRUST-GUS. So, Carter, this was your first game as a member of DCTF. What did you expect to get, and what did you get out of this experience? Well, so I came... The, uh, yes, first game as a member of the DCTF crew. And I was really going into this, wanting to get an, uh, a sense of the atmosphere surrounding the pregame. It was almost like for me, and the game started, I was just kind of ready to chill and, you know, watch the game and take in the, the action from the press box. But my work was kind of surrounding the tailgating scene and, and talking to people about moved to the Big 12 and about the emotions that come with that. Um, so I had never been to TDECU Stadium. Uh, I pulled in about noon and I could see, you know, the tailgate area was getting set up. It was kind of the, the calm before the storm. And it really got rip roaring by about 3 p.m. And, and that's when, you know, I saw the first Cougar walk and I, I saw the alumni tailgate and the student tailgate kind of merging together a, a little bit and, and the band out there uh, playing the, the fight song in, in front of everybody. And I, I thought the atmosphere was, was really cool. And that's kind of, you know, what's so great about college football in general is, is those atmospheres and those stories you get pregame. Yeah, for sure. Um, it, Carter wrote about it for Dave Campbell's is really good story. Um, something you should definitely check out. Um, so, in that that atmosphere, when you obviously you came from you play you went to UT, and so you're used to a certain atmosphere. You know, at DKR at the Cotton Bowl, when you come to a, a school, a smaller stadium like this, were your expectations that the tailgating would be small, would be all together, would like what were you expecting that way, and and did it? Did it live up to what you were expecting? I really came into it, like, quite honestly, no no expectations. I could have saw it being just a rip-roaring tailgate and, you know, just packed 
uh, people shoulder to shoulder, or I could have expected, uh, you know, just not that many people here in scattered tailgates. And it really was on the side of more shoulder to shoulder. Um, the reason I, I didn't know what to expect is because, like you said, my experience is with at the University of Texas and as a student there. And when you're a student at the university, you don't tailgate outside of the stadium, outside of DKR. You are off campus about two miles away, a mile away. Uh, just because once you get to the stadium, it is it is so packed. Like it is just a, an orange wave of thousands upon thousands of people. And it's almost like sensory overload just with the amount that's going on. Uh, Houston, I really liked how all the students were tailgating. I mean, within 30 yards of the stadium and amongst all mm -hmm. the alumni there. At Texas, the alumni and the students do not really come in contact until they all converge on DKR. Um, really no ex no expectations, uh, but I was, I was impressed and I had a great time. Awesome. All right, let's get into the game of what you saw. What were your overall impressions from the game and from, I guess, from the U of H perspective and UTSA? Um, first off, those, those Love You Blue jerseys were awesome. I mean, probably I saw them uh, on Twitter and, and the pics that were posted in the press release, but until you're there in the stadium and you, and you saw them run out, it, it was, it might be my favorite uniform of the college football season so far. Only week one, so still some time for other teams to catch up. I thought they looked a lot better in person than online. I think so too. Like they just once popped. you get the like the natural sunset that was was going with the mm -hmm. blue uniforms. It, it was it was pretty special. Um, I thought in terms of the game and the and the action on the field, a lot of jitters from both teams. Um, it was a game that started very slow and. You know, that's to be expected. Houston came into this game in a weird spot, and I talk about it a bit in my article where, you know, you've ascended to the Big 12, but you come into a game versus a UTSA team that is now in the conference you left behind, but UTSA is favored to beat you at home. So it's this weird mm -hmm. situation where, you know, it is a celebration of you as a Big 12 team, but also things can get off the rails quickly if – you lose to the UTSA team and they just punk you at home. Um, so I thought maybe some of those expectations were, were coming into fruition a little bit in terms of just both teams playing a little tight. And I think Malik Dunlap, uh, actually, no, sorry, Malik Fleming really broke that, broke that open with his punt return. I think that was kind of the play of the game that really, that mm -hmm. really set everything um, in motion for Houston. Um, here's where coming out of this game, with a Houston win. Obviously, don't apologize for winning. You go 1-0, first game of the Big 12 team. That is the most important thing. Week one, a lot of times, Dave Aranda said this after Baylor got trounced by Texas State. A lot of times in week one, you lose football games more than the other team wins. So UTSA, I think, lost this game. And part of that reason is because Frank Harris, who seventh-year quarterback, is a very talented quarterback, you got to remember, he didn't throw a pass from the end of the 2022 season until about a week before conference media days. He had four surgeries on his knee, on the same knee, over the offseason. Uh, Mike Craven, TexasFootball.com, wrote a great piece about that. And you could tell, I mean, he was just rusty. He, was, he threw three interceptions on three consecutive passes in the third quarter. And it really, that, I think, was the difference. Even though Houston only got a touchdown out of those three interceptions, 
two of which set them up basically in the red zone. Um, that, that was enough for them to go and win the football game. So uh, hats off to Houston for, for not making those big mistakes, kind of like UTSA did. So the U of H offense was, as Dana called Donovan Smith, he called him spotty in the postgame, which I think is a really pretty good word. What did you think of his overall game, the U of H run game in particular, and how that's going to go forward? I thought Donovan Smith did what he had to do to win the football game. He wasn't electric. He wasn't a hindrance. The first two drives, there were a couple of plays where I'd see Matthew Golden running on a crossing route open, and, and Donovan is just not even looking at him and, and getting kind of stuck on his first or second read. Um, I think he settled in more as the game went on, but um, obviously he was no Clayton Tune in the first game, and that's not what you expected. Uh, like, this is a guy who transferred in. He doesn't have as many weapons maybe as Clayton Tune uh, had last year, namely with the loss of uh, Tank Dell. One thing I think that Donovan Smith kind of did the best is, like you talk about the running game, I think he was the major rushing threat for Houston's offense throughout the game. And that kind of makes me nervous if we're going through the rest of the season because Donovan Smith, he is not like, I don't remember him at Texas Tech last year and I could be wrong on this, but I don't remember him being like a primary, like a a real dual threat type of guy. Like I remember him being more of a pocket passer. I feel like this running action was something that he was doing to kind of get settled down in this game. And it was kind of something that they had to do because the offensive line up front wasn't getting as big of a push as they really wanted to. I think Stacy Sneed uh, is, is a really talented back. He just didn't have a lot of uh, area to work around in. I think Tony Mathis was the guy who popped the most. And I like the way he, he runs and like lowers the shoulder. I mean, he's a tough runner. Um, and I think they'll, they'll settle in, but Donovan Smith was really the biggest rushing threat you had yeah so u of h fans remember him from fourth and 20 last year when he ran to pick up uh the first down that ended up uh i believe taking the game to overtime i don't remember was that first overtime brad i think it was to get it to overtime okay so um so that's what u of h fans think he is that he's this great dual threat but he's also six foot five and he's a big guy and i just don't think we know what he's going to be here yet. And so that's a, a, an interesting uh, way to look at it. Um, well, hold on. You say, you say U of H fans remember him as this great runner, and I think that's just uh-oh, that's funny. Uh-oh, here comes I, UT fan. Me as a Horns Texas down. guy last, last year, uh, I remember him converting six fourth down attempts against the Longhorns. Yep. And, and taking that game from them in Lubbock. So when we were talking on our podcast at Dave Campbell's about, you know, the battle between Donovan Smith and Lucas Coley, which I think was just kind of a lot of, uh, I don't know, a, a little bit of a sideshow. I don't know how close it actually was. I think it was pretty close, but we were talking about Donovan Smith versus Lucas Coley. And I'm like, I think Donovan Smith is electric. I think he is. My memory of him is he's one of the best quarterbacks in the Big 12. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Stuart Gus, official personal injury attorney of U of H Athletics. As you know, a great quarterback wins championships. If you've been injured in an auto accident, big or small, you can trust Gus to quarterback your case. Call 866-TRUST-GUS today. Principal Office, Houston, Texas.
Uh, and what about the the U of H defense? They they pitched a pretty good game. It wasn't pretty always, but fourteen points is fourteen points, right? Yeah, fourteen points is fourteen points. That they were opportunistic is what I would say. Uh, again, you can't say enough about the performance Malik Fleming had uh, with those two interceptions. I thought Traylon Payne made an extremely athletic play on the first interception when UTSA was threatening. Uh, in the wet red zone, I believe you, uh, Houston was up 10-7. I think this was the first drive UTSA had outside of in the second half. Mm-hmm. And and they throw a route at the sticks, and Traylon Payne dives in front of it for the interception. That was the first like kind of wow play that I got from the defense. Um, I think the secondary was really good, but also we got to take into account that UTSA was without DeCorian Clark. Uh, who's mm-hmm. one of their better receivers. This was also their first game without Zachary Franklin, who transferred to Ole Miss. And then, I mean, I just can't say enough, guys. Frank Harris, the the job he's doing playing right now, after he almost had to medically retire, I mean, we can't overstate that enough when we talk about the three interceptions and what a game he would probably like to have back. But you saw how rusty he was, and he, he hadn't been practicing all you know, all offseason. I know he's what thirty years old now as UTSA <laughs> starting quarterback, but like, still, I mean, you're gonna you're gonna have some some rust that you got to shake off in this first game. Um, I think the defense won the game for Houston, but that's also kind of what you would expect in Week One. A lot of times, the offense it, it takes a while to figure out. Um, so I think I think Houston's defense has stepped up, and Nelson Caesar's a beast. I mean, he, that was my first time seeing him live and in action, and he was working UTSA's left tackle. I think he's in for a really big year. Uh, back to Frank Harris. He threw those three picks, and right after that, he took his team on a 94-yard 15-play drive yeah. to score a touchdown. That was good. I mean, just a gamer. Mm-hmm. And you just have to respect a guy that can come back and do that and then U of H just let the air out of the ball after that. Uh, did a good job. I think the best offensive possession of the game was running out the clock. Yeah. And and so had he had Frank Harris been given another opportunity, we might be singing a whole different a whole different tune here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he wasn't, and it was based on a, a millimeter. Of, I don't even what's smaller than a millimeter, whatever it is. The, the difference in that, that uh, reviewed play of the spot Donovan Smith got, Carter, what did you see? Do you think Jeff Trailer has a legitimate gripe? I don't know if he has a legitimate gripe on the spotting of the ball, but it was interesting how they call fourth and one, and that Ryan, that same thought process happens in my mind. I'm like, is Frank Harris about to steal this game? And like, what a gutsy performance he had to bounce back uh, from a, a tough third quarter. Really, it was just the third quarter that it just yeah. wheels fell off the bus. Other than that, he was kind of nails the whole game. Um, wait, so it's fourth and one, and I, I'm already thinking about UTSA getting the ball. And they call a timeout to preserve as much time as they can for this last drive. And that's when they go to the monitor to review it. And what was interesting to me, and we were talking about in the press box, is we see the, the game cast, uh, or the broadcast, I should say, from FS1, and they're saying, like, it looks like Donovan Smith gets it, but they're not showing that replay in TVECU mm-hmm. Stadium. So the fans are just have no idea what's really going on. And then, obviously, when the head official comes out and says he got the ball, uh, he got the first down, 
trailer, I mean, is livid. He is freaking out at midfield. And and so much to the point they bring out the chains to like after we review, let's bring out the chains just to be completely sure. And it, it must have been like one of those things where uh, I remember a Dallas Cowboys game back in the day, day when Gene Steratore pulled out the note card, the index card. On yeah. The, on the yeah. sticks. I mean, it must have been that close. Um, but, I mean, hats off to Houston for it, – it's underrated. I don't think we get the appreciation for it as much of how difficult it is to run out the clock when the game is on the line like that. And for Donovan Smith to put his head down as a, as a in his first game starting and – you know, run that ball and use that six foot five frame to to get the first down. I mean, that's that's pretty huge, and that's something that we don't take into account just how hard that is. Yeah, and I mean, it was five and a half minutes that they had to run off. It wasn't you know ninety seconds or or something. Especially when your playbook, and they did when your playbook's up. limited too, because it's like you don't want to be airing it out too much because incomplete passes stop Correct. the clock, and then you also don't want to turn the ball over. So I mean, it's pretty much like you got to run in some way this whole yeah. time. And you have to be impressed. U of H ran 11 plays for 33 yards. That's hard to do. And uh, hats off, you know, they did exactly what they needed to do to end the game. Obviously, it could have been prettier, but it's a win. And, you know, Brad, do you have anything to add? You're just kind of sitting over there. Not a whole lot. That is week one. All right. It's never going to be pretty. You know, like it, it is always going to be an ugly. It's going to be a rock fight. And that's the games where I don't know if Houston last year wins that game. So that's a hundred percent that you got to feel good about coming away. It's like you're in a rock fight. And what the defense last year, like the secondary, I'm complimenting how good the secondary was. That's much improved from 2022. So oh, yeah. definitely yeah. like a lot of a lot of stuff you can be very happy about. And never apologize for going one and zero. Never apologize. All right, last question. Last week, Yates High School in Houston went to Dallas and played Dallas yeah. Carter. There was a Carter Yates game, and you did not cover it. Do you feel regret? I do feel major regret. The one thing I will say is, I almost, I was so conflicted in this game that I almost it would have been too painful for me to go and watch that. Because, one, I'm a DFW guy. I'm from Frisco, Texas, outside of the Metroplex. So I'm thinking about it. I'm like, okay, Carter-Yates game. Like, I guess I got to go with Dallas Carter, right? Because that's my this DFW. They got- well, that would have been a good choice seeing how the game turned out. But then, but then I wrote a story about South Oak Cliff and Houston Yates as inner city programs that were trying to uh, reshape the narrative around inner city football. And that was like what I spent the second half of my senior year working on. So I, I, I studied on Houston Yates and, and wrote about them and, and got a, you know affinity for that program. So I was like, on the one hand, DFW and Carter, but on the other hand, I wrote a story and Yates. It was, it was, so, I was so conflicted. A lot of inner turmoil for me going on in that game. But you're right. Missed opportunity and all I can do is, you know, left hand up, that's on me and I'll be better as the season goes on. If that game happens again, you, I, I will be there. I mean, you're the title sponsor of the game. <laughs> You've got to be there. Uh, Yates has given up 128 points in two games, so it's not going well so far. 
But Yates right across the street from U of H. And there's a natural affinity. Towns used to park at Yates, basically, and walk that over. Was, that was the best parking spot on the planet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Save $5. Good job. Hey, right. I was I was helping I was helping out the uh, the neighborhood, man. You were. Uh, those were good days. Those were fun times. They were terrible football, but good times. Well, I, All right, thanks, Carter. Oh, go ahead. Well, yeah, before I get out, I mean, I know I know this is a Houston Cougars podcast, so we we I can go on a diatribe about Yates football. But you think about Yates and Carter back in the day, 1985 and 1988. The uh, 1985 team is kind of considered at Houston Yates the best college, the best high school football team. Of all time, probably they had a mm-hmm. you know NFL defensive tackle, ten-year veteran who was a backup on that team, and then 1988, of course, the the Carter Cowboys team that beat Odessa Permian, they named Friday Night Lights, the the team from Friday Night Lights. Uh, so, mm-hmm. you know, obviously programs that have not had much success since those glory days in the 80s, but both programs working hard to uh, you know get back on that mountaintop, but. That's all right. I know. I know we're Houston podcast. We can go on a full diatribe if we, if we wanted, but well, we we got to cut it off somewhere. Well, I, I saw that. I saw. I guess it was. It might have been eighty seven, eighty six of that Dallas Carter team with Jesse Armstead um, when he was he was leading their defense. I saw them play North Mesquite High School in the playoffs at the Cotton Bowl. And the strange thing is, is that um, GJ Kenny's dad was playing for North Mesquite at the time. Wow. <laughs> so many, so many parallels. Well, I got to do another shameless plug. And uh, Mike Craven, our, our senior writer, Dave Campbell's wrote a really good piece that dropped today on TexasFootball.com about the relationship between GJ Kenny and Jeff Trailer. Because, you know, UTSA is playing Texas State this week. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, GJ Kenny's dad uh, was actually shot, you know, back when GJ Kenny was in high school. And, yep. DJ right. dad, yeah, then went uh, to the college ranks. That was kind of the last straw for him to get out of the high school game. And, and Kenny was Trailer's quarterback at Gilmer there uh, in the in the 2000s. So it was a really interesting piece, something I, did, I, I totally did not know about. Um, so I'd encourage anyone to go check that out. It's really, really cool. Yeah, I'm definitely going to check that out. Yeah. Uh, all right. Thank you, Carter. We appreciate it. Uh, are you you're covering the Baylor game this week, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, I'll be. Do you know if you're going to see U of H again down the road? I do not have them on my schedule as of yet, but I've I've only really mapped out until week seven. So okay. after that, it kind of just depends on what the biggest storylines are. Yeah. But I don't have them until week seven. All right. Thank you, sir. Hey, thank y'all. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Carter. That didn't suck. Yeah, boo!